Welcome to the QAV Investing Podcast. This is episode 629, recorded on Tuesday, the 18th of July, 2023. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. My name is Cameron. I host this podcast every week with my friend, Tony Kyniston. Tony's a very successful investor. He's been doing it for 30 years. He's a very wealthy man. And he's got a, a system that he uses that we call QAV, quality at value. Basically, how do you buy shares in good quality companies that have a long track record of generating cash when you can buy them at a discount to their intrinsic value? And we teach his system on the podcast and answer questions from uh, our, our listeners and our QAV club subscribers. Um, this week on the free episode of the show, which is what you're listening to, uh, we've got a couple of things. We've got a question from Annette who was overseas when uh, some of her shares that she owned had some pretty important corporate actions and she's asking Tony uh, what she should do about those. We've got those questions asked by Tony's daughter, Alex, who's part of our team at QAV. Then we have uh, Tony talking about LAU, doing what we call a pulled pork, a deep dive on LAU, which is a share that we've done very well out of over the last year or so. And then we've got another question just to finish up with from another one of our club subscribers, Jeff, who's asking Tony to clarify the difference between sell-side analysts and buy-side analysts. So let's get into the show. Hey, Alex. Hi, Al. You got a question for us? Yes. Well, Annette has a question, so I'll ask her. <laughs> um, she says, a question for this week's show. I own BRB, Breaker Resources, at an average price of 0.46. While I was overseas, the takeover by Remelius was happening and I missed all of the communication and the offer to shareholders. As it was a compulsory takeover, I had until the 22nd of May to reply, which I missed. I received my claim form this week, which I immediately sent off. The claim form uh, indicated that the claim would either be cash or shares, but didn't give an option for me to choose. Is this how it usually works? If I do receive the shares, what would be the next step forward? I don't think Remelius has been on the buy list. Obviously, Breaker has, but it has now been incorporated into Remelius. In Stock Doctor, it has an early warning signal. P.S. It was an expensive holiday in all respects, as I also missed Umedia's 10% rule and an upselling negative 20, 27% after it crashed. Ooh, Ooh, that might be all the analysis we need on Rule 1's cam, Umedia. <laughs> You know, we did talk a while back. I think it was when Sam was going to Kilimanjaro or something. Mm. <laughs> we talked about what what to do if you're going away and you're going to be incommunicado mm. for a period of time. Yeah, that can be tricky. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, Annette. Yeah. Well, I guess my first question for Annette was, was she receiving email communications? Because unless she was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, she probably could have perhaps received some comms from, from broker resources about the takeover. But anyway, I don't know her circumstances. But yeah, I mean, make, I mean, make it can be administratively difficult, but make sure you log on and update your email details and select email communications on the registrar's website when, when you get a notification of a new buy, a new holding. But anyway, look, I, I'm... I'm Happy, I would be happy in her case to be holding Remelius resources. It has been on the buy list on the past. In the past, I did a pulled pork on Remelius. I think, well, in the, this year, I think probably, I, I think I did one on West African resources, maybe one on Remelius from memory because there were two gold stocks that were in on the buy list at the time. So it's not there now, though. I think the QAV score for Remelius is about 0.02. 
but it is trending upwards. So look, you know, we'll get stuck from time to time either because we didn't check our alerts or we were in a communicator, incommunicado overseas, whatever. And uh, it'll play out that we have a share that we didn't mean to have. I tend to just trade them using the three-point trend line scenario. So if Romilius is actually in a buy situation, or actually, sorry, Romilius is about to move past its second buy line. So I would be holding it until its sell line or until, I know gold at the moment, US is a buy, but Australia is a Josephine. So that's a hold for me. I'd be holding on to Romilius and seeing where it goes. But I'm comfortable with Romilius. It's a good company. And I've certainly owned it in the past as well. I think when we when you did a pulled pork on it back in April, that was a request from Sam because you and I both held it in our portfolios at the time. Right. So I, you know, I guess we sold it when gold became a sell. Yeah. But it's yeah, good company, as you say. Yeah. Any any follow up questions there, Al, that you don't understand or? No, that was I have remembered those podcasts and what you said about. I think you'd also been in a position before where something had changed hands and you hadn't had a chance to sell out first. And I think from memory, you said to just trade it with the three-point trend line as well. So, yeah, I've expected that answer, but yeah. Oh, okay, good. I have a follow-up question for you, Alex. Two weeks ago, you had a question for your dad from one of your friends. Yes, yep. Did your friend like your dad's answer? Yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> honestly, I think his um, return was a little bit less than he was hoping. So I don't know how much he'll be putting in this year anyway, but um, no, it was good. Thank you. Yep. Well, thanks, Al. I'll, be, All right. I'll look forward to seeing you on Friday. I'll give you a call. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. And if our listeners want to contact you for a commission, Alex, are you taking commissions at the moment? Um, I will be <laughs> again next year, at the start of next year. Um, but my website is www.alexkarniston.com. So obviously same spelling as dad's last name. <laughs> my email and everything's on there. Yeah. Excellent. Good. And good pickup on thermal coal this week. Food. Thank you. That's that's see that's Thank where you. that masters in art yep. comes from. Your attention to visual detail. Mm. You spotted that it had a flat top. Yeah. Because when when I pulled it up and I was going mm. through it, I was like, "What? Yep. No, that's well below its buy line." And then I checked the flat top and was like, "Ah, oh, uh, touche, my master." <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Good yeah. Yeah. I was feeling a bit pedantic, I guess. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you. All thank right, you though. again, Alex, for all your work. You. Thanks for asking Annette's question. Bye. Bye. No worries. Thanks, Annette. So I was going to do a pulled pork. Thanks to one of our listeners who requested it. And we had a request from Jim on LAU, Lindsay Australia. Yeah. Winners. Been a big share price appreciation with Lindsay Australia over the last two years. Yeah. They're the new FMG. It's what I said last week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll do a pull pork on Lindsay Australia now. So if people aren't aware, they're a road transport company and they focus particularly on the rural area, um, which means they haul a lot of fresh produce and refrigerated produce. The, the fact that they were hauling refrigerated produce is important because a major competitor in refrigerated transport, the Scott Group, uh, collapsed earlier this year. So for a little while, at least, Lindsay have had it to themselves. This, when they announced the profit upgrade in May, which is just after the Scott Group collapsed, so that was fortuitous for them. But I think real share price appreciation has been going up a lot longer than 
the collapse of the Scott Group, whether whether it's people have seen that the Scott Group might be in trouble for a couple of years or not, but Lindsay Australia has certainly been going up for the last two years. And digging around in their, their reports, it looks like that they've had a successful, I'll, I'll call it a horizontal growth strategy. So they're basically going up and down the value chain of the area that the industry that they work in, which is horticulture. And if I can just say a, say a bit about them, there was a good there was a good graphic in one of their presentations which explained what they do now. And it, it, it starts off, it's in three rows which outline the company. So the first row is Lindsay Rural, working with Australian growers, and they're talking about providing logistics advice, delivering seeds, delivering seedlings and other fertilizers, et cetera, irrigation and fertilizers, and then packaging for the for the farm industry. And then Lindsay Transport, another division of that company, takes over and transports the produce either by road or rail, provides logistic logistic support to the rural industry. Stores has cold, has cold storage uh, facility or facilities, um, as well as uh, facilitate then distribution to end customers. And then there's Lindsay Fresh Logistics, another arm of the same company that um, has warehousing, biosecurity, um, vegetable and fruit ripening facilities, and then delivery and import and export uh, offerings. So it's called the Lindsay End-to-End Solution now, and they've been sort of expanding horizontally along that value chain over the last couple of years quite successfully. And just to give you some numbers, they now have 21 transport depots slash cold stores nationally, 21 rural stores nationally, and 308 prime movers, 600 trailers, 400 containers, 168 scales, and 90 ridges, which I think are forms of containers as well, and about 1,500 employees and about 800 drivers, mainly based on the east coast of Australia, but but certainly doing well out of the... uh, diversification or integration of the value chain in uh, the farming sector. The other thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to Lindsay Australia is I noticed that their biggest shareholder is Washington Soul Pattersons, and we had the MD of Washington Soul Pats on our show, and he outlined that their strategy was to take investments in small caps and then to work with them, providing their experience at growing companies to help to help them expand, and that certainly worked out well for them. In this case, could they have about 19.5% of Lindsay Australia? So uh, that that is kind wow. of it's kind of like two things working well for this company. Good uh, good good investors, good board, good experience, and also the, the collapse of the Scott refrigerated storage business. Anyway, so that's Lindsay Australia. And and just to give you some of the upgrades that they've been announcing to the market, this the most recent. Upgrade said that revenue was up 23% and profit was up 64%, debt down 12%, and operating cash flow up 228%. So that was an upgrade announced with the March results. And then going back six months prior to that, or a little bit longer than that, sorry, their 30th of June numbers, which would have been announced in August or September, the same sort of thing. Profit was up 93%, revenue up 27%. So they certainly have been growing rapidly. And one of the things that has been happening while they've been doing that is throwing up lots of cash. So yeah, great little company for people to have a look at. 
The numbers around this company, I'm using a share price of $1.34, which is less than the consensus target for them. ADT is a million dollars per day, so it's plenty big enough for most people to take a position in. Stock Doctor Financial Health, interestingly enough, is satisfactory and recovering. And recovering for us scores are two because that's often when companies are in a, a sweet spot for us where they're really focusing on their, their cash flow, they're, they're focusing on paying down debt, they're focusing on profitability, on, on getting better quality financials in place. So you can have companies with strong financial health where that's something which they're doing, and, and, but it may not be a core focus. But if they're coming back from a bad situation, they're really focusing on those metrics, which I think is a good thing, and they're improving. So looking at the... Great. Looking at the history of LAU, it looks like their week period, according to Stock Doctor, was sort of just after COVID, yeah. second half of, uh, well, the first financial half of 21, right. 22. So makes sense. Yeah. If, particularly I, if you're uh, retail was, supply, et cetera. Yeah, no, it does. And, but I, I think Stock Doctor announcements only went back to after COVID. So I wasn't able to go back and have a look at what they were saying around that period. But I think you're right. They, they, you know, obviously, either took on debt or or carried employees or something like that that they you know, carried costs that they decided they could try and do during the COVID period, so that weakened their financials and now they're recovering. Yeah, so that's that's a good story. But this company P is nineteen times, which is pretty high compared to um, most companies on the buy list. But at the time of the last results, it was only nine point nine times, which was the lowest in six halves. So we score it for that. 6.26 times, so getting up towards the high end of our list. But as we said before, prop cap is increasing or operating cash flow is increasing, so that number may come down. But the, certainly on the value basis, price is above IV1 and IV2, and the net equity per share is pretty low, so it's the share price is way above net equity per share at $0.38, cents, or book plus 30 at $0.49. Cents. But where this company is scoring quite well is in forecast earnings per share growth, which is 67%. So the sort of profit upgrades and revenue upgrades they've been talking about for the last two years are still powering on. And that gives them a growth over PE score of 3.5, even with a high PE of 19 times. And that scores for us, which is great, because we're looking for companies which are, have growth over PE of greater than 1.5. So something that high scores well for us. Yield is only 2.7%, but that's not unexpected for a growing company, so we don't score it on yield. Interestingly enough, though, no owner-founder in this company. The, the board's holding a small percentage of stock, and I found that a bit strange. The company's been around for 70-odd years, and given it's called Lindsay Australia Group, I kind of expected to see a descendant of Lindsay on the board, someone called Lindsay on the board, but I couldn't see one. The Lindsay Brothers. Yeah, mm. something like that, but couldn't see one, so they didn't, they didn't score for that. Net equity wasn't consistently increasing, so they didn't score for that. So all in all, though, they did get a 12 out of 15 score of 80%. So this is a case quant quality has paid off here. And you know, as if you contrast that to what happened to the Scots refrigerator transport business, and the QAB score is 0.13. So it's it's getting towards the bottom of the buy list. But again, it'd be interesting to see what happens to the score when the results come out next month. So I guess my summary is this is kind of a in the sweet spot for us because it's a growth stock, but it's at a good price. So that, that really is a sort of 
you know, value Nirvana sort of stock for us. The the positives and the risks for this stock, the positive on the positive side, I think having Washington sold Pats with a big stake in the company is a great it will be a great benefit and has been a great benefit to them, obviously. So they've had a lot of success and they're kind of like the Berkshire Hathaway of Australia in some respect. They, they'll buy a stake in a company and then provide whatever experience and resources they can to help grow that company, which is which is good to see. And then on the risk side of things, well, I think the biggest risk for this company is the rise of another competitor. And I I can't see the big supermarket chains like Coles and Woolies letting one logistics company get too big in the market. They'll want they'll probably try and support a second player to to scale so they can have, you know, two people to tender for their business of delivering fresh fruit and vegetables to their stores. So that watch the space with that one. That might be a problem in the future. But yeah, great over the last two years for us. Um, great company. You say it's good value now at a dollar thirty six. We bought it for the dummy portfolio when it was forty two cents mm. back in June twenty two. Then I bought it for the dumb the, one of the light portfolios first on the first of uh, first of August last year forty eight cents. Then again on the thirtieth September fifty seven and a half cents. Then added it to the possibles portfolio. So for people who don't follow light. We allow ourselves two parcels. We'll double. We'll get double parcels if we can't find anything else, but we won't go more than that. But then for people that are new to the light um, subscription and still trying to fill up their portfolio, I'll say, well, listen, this is a buy, but we can't buy it for our portfolios because we're already maxed out. But if you want to buy something, this is a buy. I recommended it on the... 27th of March this year for the possible portfolio at 95 cents and it's up 43% since then. So it just, every, every time we've added it to something since, well, over the last year, it's just gone up and up and up. So, right. oh, 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 there's the title <laughs> for this episode right there. How's that song start? Is it that. 12th of Moon in the, was it the 12th of June in the dark of the moon with a, a shaky town? Airbreaker 190, this is a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big bank of milk. Tower 10 4, good buddy. It was the dark of the moon on the 6th of June and it came with Hull and Hog. Love that song. Yeah, so do I. Not a great film, but a great song. Yeah. Keep on trucking. There you go. There's my title. The last one, this is from Jeff. Good morning, Cam. Hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you, Jeff. Went to Kung Fu this morning. Got that out of my system. Got a bit of a workout. Done. It's great. If you can squeeze this one in today, we can, Jeff. He's linking to an article uh, from Investopedia about sell side and buy side analysts. The article says much has been made of the Wall Street analyst as though it were a uniform job description. In reality, there are significant differences between buy-side and sell-side analysts. True, both spend much of their day researching companies and industries in an effort to handicap the winners or losers on many fundamental levels. However, the jobs are quite different. Uh, Key takeaways. When the system functions as it should, both buy-side and sell-side analysts are valuable. Smart buy-siders make a point of quickly figuring out who they can trust and rely on in the sell-side community. Dedicated sell-side analysts can typically dive deeper than buy-side analysts and really learn the ins and outs of an industry. Sell-side analysts typically work for brokerages, while buy-side analysts work for funds. Mm. So 
Am, am I right in thinking that a sell-side analyst tells you when to sell and a buy-side analyst tells you when to buy? Is, is that simple? No, not at all. No, a sell-side oh. is kind of the reverse. A sell-side analyst is trying to get you to right. transact. So I think we've mentioned this before as well. If, you, if research has shown that on the sell-side, which is broker research, they're, they're trying to sell you on transacting, buying or selling. So the broker is, as we know, is gets a percentage of the sale or or the buy or sell side of each transaction, but they want you to transact. So the sell side research is all about it's a great time to buy or a great time to sell. But historically, the research has shown that um, stockbroker reports or sell side reports have something like three times to one buys over sells because they they are also doing other work for these companies and hoping to get further work from these companies. So it has to be a pretty dire situation after they've done some research to say sell this company because that the particular company in question might still need um, help from an investment banker or a brokerage or whatever to you know raise funds or take over something or be taken over. So stockbrokers, the sell side of things is generally bullish, buy, buy, buy. The fund manager side of things is generally negative. Too too expensive, too expensive, too expensive. So it's kind of a happy medium between between both. But if people want to know what what you know what the examples are, if you think of the the sort of reports your stockbroker sends to you, if you use one, or you might you might see them on Comsec or whatever whoever you use, that's a sell side report. A buy side report is more on the, along the lines of if anyone's ever logged on to something like the WAM funds, Wilson Asset Management, and looked at what stocks they're analysing. That's that's a buy-side report. And generally what you find is the brokers will cover the whole industry. So if I pick the gold mining industry, for, exa- for example, the you know there's diggers and dealers conference that the brokers go to. They talk to all the MDs of the mining companies. They get flown over to WA and hosted at events and... And they get to know the industry pretty well, so they'll they'll write reports about all the gold mining stocks. Whereas a fund manager like like us, think think of my deep dive analysis as a as a buy side report. I'll focus on the one or two which are on our buy list that I want to do a deep dive on, and that's the buy side type report. So generally, both analysis is good. Uh, I remember back in the day, 10, 20 years ago when. Alex Hay took me out to lunch with a guy called Ivor Rees, who used to work for the AFR. He was, I think, Chanticleer for a while, and he'd just been employed by Bellew Holtz to do their research, their sell-side research. And so we went out to lunch to discuss when Colesmeyer was being taken over by KKR. He wanted to pick my brains about, about that, what might happen, what the ramifications would be for the share price, and then he wrote up a report about it. So... Yeah, so neither side is usually has better research than the other, but you've got to kind of put them in the categories that they are. One is trying to get you to take action, which is the sell side, and one is trying to be picky and choosy about the action it takes, which is the buy side. So that's the difference. Right. Well, there you go. Thanks for explaining that. Uh-huh. There you go, Jeff. Hope that helps. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. 
If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV Club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., sign up for the two-week free trial and check it all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you like the idea of value investing QAV style, but don't feel like you have the time or resources to learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episode. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129 Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.